welcome to There Are Other Ways, conversations about living life a little differently. I'm Fiona Barrows, a brand storyteller for thoughtful creatives and ethical entrepreneurs. I really hope you're all having a good week. Today, as promised, I'm chatting to Beverly Ryman. Beverly is a freelance social media manager, travel copywriter, and the owner of the award-winning travel blog, Pack Your Passport. We met quite a few years ago at a London travel event and have been good friends ever since. I really love her honesty and her attitude in general, and this conversation is full of her wit and wisdom, so I hope you enjoy it. Fiona, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. How are you? What have you been up to? Um, not much today. I've cleaned my flat, which um, I think always makes always makes you feel a bit more productive. Actually, um, this week mostly been um, in the cafe doing social media work, planning for an event that we've got coming up in a couple of weeks, and um, also using someone else's Mac because my laptop blew up last week and um, it's being repaired by Apple. I, so I thought yeah. this. Are you talking about this on Instagram and Twitter? And I just felt for oh. you so much because I just instantly thought, what would I do? Like what? would happen if my mac blew up um so i really feel yeah. for you that must be really difficult. it was i was just happily doing my client work last friday i'd been booked by a client um you know for the entire day and i just sat there doing my work it got to about four o'clock and um the laptop just turned off and then smoke came out of the charging port and i was like this probably isn't okay so um but apple have been amazing i took my laptop into um into the apple store on um on the saturday morning and they they're keeping it for like 10 days but in the meantime i'm using um my friend's um old macbook so i'm eternally grateful to have good friends who can lend me things because i was um gonna be a bit stuck yeah. not being able to do my client work that so. is that is a very good friend um right so let's we could we could just continue chatting for ages but let's um <laughs> let's get let's get down to business so for anyone who hasn't come across you online yet can you just say a little bit about yourself what you do and how you are living life a little differently so I run um, I run a travel blog called pack your passport which I started um, while I was living in Australia um, and I also uh, I'm also a freelancer so I do um, social media management and I do travel copywriting as well so um, yeah that's that's kind of what I do and so how did you uh, begin to start your travel blog what kind of what was kind of the impetus was it that you left to go traveling first and then thought you would start or was it a bit more at the same time it was um it was kind of like halfway through through traveling really so I definitely didn't do what I should have done which is start my travel blog before I went traveling and kind of um tell the story of you know like leaving England that kind of thing I definitely didn't do that I was basically working in my hometown um and I'd left uh, I'd left uni I went to Leeds uni and did media and marketing and I'd left Leeds moved back home just working in advertising basically wasn't overly enjoying it um and then my boyfriend at the time his well one of his work colleagues moved to Australia on a working holiday visa and he asked me if, if I wanted to do the same and my initial reaction was absolutely not like I had no interest um in going to Australia um at all I was quite I think I was quite comfortable and settled um but actually two days later I called him up and I I said just let's let's do it let's just go I've got nothing to lose really 
So amazing. Yeah, I can't believe now looking back, I can't believe I said no. Like, why would you not want to go to Australia? But like I said, I think I was just really comfortable with um living at home and, you know, driving to work every day and seeing my work colleagues and going out, you know, in town on a weekend. I think I was just a bit a bit comfortable really. So moved to Australia in June 2010 and moved to Sydney. And I didn't start my blog then. I just, I was working and kind of traveling around a little bit. And then when I moved to Melbourne in 2011, um, I, well, I was working in a cafe. So I used to start really, really early at like five or six in the morning, but I'd be finished by two, three in the afternoon. Didn't have a laptop because it was 2011 and not many people really traveled with laptops then. So um, I used to go to this internet cafe in this basement bar and you'd be able to get coffee or cocktails I just go and get a cocktail after work and just check my emails and check Facebook and what have you and one day I think I was planning for a trip um somewhere and I happened upon some travel blogs and I thought well I love writing I've always loved writing and I'm obviously loving traveling so I thought I can definitely do this so I just started I just started my travel blog in a in an internet cafe (laughs) I love how you started your travel blog with a cocktail in your hand. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Start as you mean to go on. Yeah. Um, so how so how much longer were you in Australia? And did you stay in Melbourne or did you? So I left Melbourne. Yeah, so we, I was only in Australia for two years. I basically went out on a working holiday visa, which allows you to stay in Australia to work and travel for a year. And then to get my second year visa, I went and worked on a vineyard for three months, which was now when I talk about it, I'm like, yeah, it was amazing. And it, it was incredible, but it was also very, very hard, um, very, very hard work. But I got my second year, so it was amazing. So I stayed in Australia for two years and then in June 2012 I moved to uh, New Zealand now the entire time I was in Australia I'd been there with my now ex-boyfriend um, so we'd just been traveling around we've been living in Sydney Melbourne we got a camper van we did the east coast we did so much while we were there and we worked as well um, but when I got to New Zealand um, that relationship ended so I was kind of like kind of a, a bit of a loose end to be honest we've been together for six years by that point and um I'd never traveled anywhere on my own so I was in Auckland and I didn't really know anyone um it must have been so tough like to go through a breakup without your like support network around you to kind of like pick you up and make you feel better I don't I don't know how you did that like that that must have been really really difficult yeah do you know what it was difficult but I I actually think that being the other side of the world actually really helped because I think if the breakup had happened in our hometown, which is very, very small and everybody knows everyone and everyone's mm. been there their entire lives, um, I think it probably would have been worse. I think there would have been that divide between my friends and his friends and there would have been, you know, gossip and and all of that. So actually being, you know, physically removed from all that, I actually think really helped. I mean, it wasn't ideal, you know, being in a city and not knowing anyone. But um, I, I can see that because I think the hardest thing when you're trying to get over someone is to have to keep seeing them. Like I think that oh my just God, makes yeah. it so much harder. Um, yeah, so what, I can actually see, then. and also the drama that goes with it, all the everything that everyone says and talks about, it all just makes it a lot, a lot more difficult. Yeah, and it was quite nice to kind of start again. I mean, I was living in a in a hostel when I first got to Auckland because I was looking for a job and looking for somewhere to live. So, um, but the hostel I stayed in was very much 
it, it felt more like a, a home, really. And people stayed there long term because they loved it so much. But I ended up meeting a group of people who I'm I'm still friends with today, like five, six years later. Um, we um, we all just kind of became really good friends. And myself and um, a woman that I met called Kate, we ended up getting an apartment together in Auckland. And I found a job. And it was really, really hard um, because... I had been with this same person for six years um, and we've been together since I was 19. So I kind of, it kind of felt like I'd done a lot of growing up while I was with him. Um, and then to suddenly not have that and to be completely on my own again was, was really difficult. Having said that, I think it did give me a chance to not reinvent myself. That's, that's the wrong term, but kind of like um, learn to be by myself again. Um, yeah, and which is such to, an important skill to have. Oh, such an important skill. And now, looking back, I'm like, it was it was kind of the best thing that happened because I'm so comfortable on my own now and so, so independent, almost possibly too independent, I think, too good at being alone. But um, I, I would say the same thing about myself. I don't think you're alone in that either. Yeah, I think it's the same for a lot of people. Like you get so good at being independent and being um, self-reliant that you, you, you just kind of not push people away but you don't let people in as much as you can but that that time in Auckland was um was kind of a transformative time I would say I I met lots of amazing people and we would um we'd book a car for a weekend and and drive somewhere um always book flights to Queenstown or Wellington and just go and do amazing things on a weekend a lot of us were working full-time I was working full-time um but we'd use our weekends like I do here really work in the week and then and then try and explore as much as I can um on the weekend but yeah it, it was amazing and the the women that I met out there lots of them are still my absolute best friends one of them's getting married next year um and I'm going to her wedding in Belfast so um, yeah amazing but I left I left New Zealand in June 2013 I was only there for a year um okay so I had to come back to my hometown and um it wasn't the best I was like oh I'm back here so it never I, is. It, yeah, it, it kind of feels as though you've had this amazing adventure and you've come back and everything, not, not to sound, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to put a downer on people that stay in their hometowns and, and don't want to travel because it's absolutely a personal choice, but I got home and nothing had really moved. I was like, have you just been sitting here since I'd gone away I don't know it just it just kind of felt a bit strange so I was like look I cannot stay here I'm gonna move to London <laughs> so <laughs> so I moved to London <laughs> I think it's great I think it's to, I think sometimes it feels like because travel is so exciting and I think yeah. sometimes you can't live at that level of excitement for like permanently like I definitely found that I did find that stuff started to kind of fade down a little bit um but it is a bit like going from being technical is sometimes going back into black and white I think that sometimes it just feels a bit like it's just not as exciting as I'm used to yeah and even though I was working a lot in Australia and New Zealand like I worked full-time the entire time I was in Auckland I think it's the fact that you're working in another country and you're meeting lots of different people and you're going and doing different things all the time and and kind of exploring a lot more than you normally would back home I think so even though um I was working a lot and not and definitely not traveling um all the time um it still it still felt so different coming home and being like oh this does not feel exciting at what all. did you do when you moved to london did you get a, a nine-to-five job yeah i got another job um so 
from blogging because obviously I'd have been blogging for like two years by this point um, and I definitely wasn't anywhere near you know making a full-time income off my blog I was earning a little bit of money off my blog but definitely not enough to sustain myself um, at home let, let alone in London so um, but I had learned an awful lot about the blogging industry in those two years and it is it's very different now um, to what it was then but I got a job um, doing outreach at an SEO kind of SEO marketing agency. Um, And then a few months later, a few people left and I ended up doing digital PR at the same company. Um, So it's the kind of company where um, we would make these amazing kind of um, like interactive infographics, I guess you could call them, um, based on, you know, desktop research, data like government data that kind of thing and I would try and get that as much coverage I could uh, as I could in you know the nationals online that kind of thing um to to help with SEO really and it sounds really technical and it sounds like something that I wouldn't do now um but actually back then I really really loved it and I stayed at the same company the entire time I lived in London so three and a half four years because um I loved the people um I loved my office and so, so yeah, and I, I kind of grew the blog while I was living in London, I guess. And then how come you decided to leave London? Because you now live in Leeds. I do, uh, yeah. How, yeah, what was the process behind that? Oh, it was such a long process. <laughs> I um, I absolutely love London. And honestly, if I could live there again, I would. If I could afford to live there on my own, I would. But the reality of London is that if you want to live there and you don't, uh, you don't have a partner, um, for the most part, you're going to be living in a shared house. I mean, lots of couples living in shared houses as well, because it's, it's just the nature of living there. It's so expensive, but I got to 30 and I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't, can't live with other people anymore. Um, I just wanted my own space. Um, I wanted, things to be a bit cheaper and I'd already been in Leeds for for three or four years previously like 10 years beforehand because I've been to uni here so I thought I will just move back to Leeds I'll get my own flat I'll get a job and that's pretty much what I did but it, it definitely wasn't an overnight decision it took me an awful long time to kind of come to the conclusion that I did want to leave because a lot of the time I'd get annoyed with living with other people, but I think, well, you know, but I am here and my friends are close and I love, I loved living in Shoreditch. It was just the best, the best place to live in my opinion. It's not for everyone, but I loved it. Um, it does sort of get its teeth into you, doesn't it? It does kind of like, cause I had that where there was so yeah. much I really struggled with. And then sometimes I would just kind of like go for a walk at the weekend. I'd go down to Borough Market and get um, bread ahead donuts and get a Monmouth coffee. And I'd walk along the South Bank and I'd be like, oh my God, I love living here so much. I, I relate to that so much. I think you and I have had probably quite similar experiences in that I've I've absolutely hated living in London at some point. But then, like you say, you have moments when you're walking around a market or you go and get a coffee somewhere or you're working in a you know cafe somewhere writing or you go for a lovely walk and the views are beautiful and you're like how can I possibly leave this is such an amazing city and it does also feel when you're in your 20s it does feel or I definitely felt like like everyone was there like I don't really at the time I didn't really have any friends who were outside of London Mm. if that makes sense like I don't think I think it just kind of felt and for me a big part of it was and it wasn't until I kind of left to go traveling and then kind of lived in different places I started to think I realized actually 
hold on, London isn't all of the UK. There are, I could live in the UK, I yeah. live in London. And it's one of those really obvious things that suddenly hit me and I was like, wow, that is like, like <laughs> that is like totally crazy. Like, how have I never thought about this before? Um, but yeah. in your 20s, it feels really natural to live there. I don't think I ever made a decision. I don't feel like I ever made a conscious decision to move to London. I think I just moved because it was kind of mm. what was expected of me and what everyone else was doing. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I think for me, it was the fact that I just wanted another, I wanted another challenge. I'd already moved to three cities without ever having been there before. Like when I moved to Sydney, um, I'd never been there before, didn't really know a lot about it. And I just kind of, uh, arrived and made it work. And same in Melbourne, I arrived got a job, got a flat, made it work. Same in Auckland. And I thought, I think I just wanted to replicate that. I wanted to do the whole thing where I go down and I find a job and I move down with my suitcase. And and that's exactly what I did. Um, I think, yeah, I just wanted to replicate what I'd already been doing, to be honest, because I'd I'd managed to make it work before and I saw no reason why I couldn't make it work again. And for the most part, I did make it work. Um, But I think it just got to a point where I... I knew that at some point in the future, I'd want to go freelance and um, because I wanted to live alone so much and and not have to deal with the whole housemates thing in my thirties. I knew that probably wouldn't be, or definitely wouldn't be possible unless I, you know, won the lottery or something. I think also it's only when you look at moving out of London that you realize just how expensive London is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely all relative. I mean, it's definitely subjective as well because I tell my friends in London how much my rent is here, and they're like, "Oh my god, B, that's so cheap! Oh my god, amazing! You must be rolling in it." And I'm like, "Absolutely not," <laughs> because when you live alone, every you cover everything by yourself. You know your bills, and um, it suddenly becomes a little bit more expensive because you're not splitting things with you know three or four um, other people. But um, yeah, definitely when I look at, you know, one bedroom flats in London and they're, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I haven't got it so bad. <laughs> maybe, maybe there was a reason to this decision. And so how did, you yeah. find, how did you find your first sort of few months living in Leeds? It was a bit of a strange one, actually, because um, I found a job. I, I found a job in Leeds before I moved back to Leeds because I just wanted to make sure that... Um, I was going to have enough money to survive basically. So I found a job. Um, it was, it was in PR again, but the PR that I was doing in London was very digital focused and very SEO focused. And the PR that I ended up doing at the agency that I moved to in Leeds was very, very traditional. And it was something that I'd never done before. And so I found that quite hard going into a role where I'd I'd done so well in London and and had not so much success, but I'd been really, really happy with with what I was doing. And then I came to work in Leeds and I just wasn't happy in the job at all. And I don't speak about that a lot because um, it feels like I made a bad decision but um, I've started to own that a bit more. Yeah, it's. I think it's also, it's always very difficult to kind of talk about stuff when you're kind of in the middle of it because you don't always kind of see yeah. what was good and what wasn't when you're still in it. But like, it's one of those things where you kind of, sometimes I think you try and sort out, it's like scales, you try and sort out one part of your life and the other part goes a bit crap. And then yeah. like that part is really good and then the other part isn't. And sometimes it just feels like it's, it can be quite hard to get everything working at the same time, I think. That's so true. And I think there was this massive balancing act between trying to be happy at my new job and trying to do my best at my new job, but also trying to 
trying to, I don't know, get used to living up north again. I don't know. It felt really strange. And it wasn't um it wasn't until months and months later that I had a phone call with one of my friends um in Brighton who she said something to me like, I don't know why you were expecting to just fall back into your life in Leeds because it's been 10 years and it's perfectly okay that you're not I felt guilty that I wasn't, oh my God, I'm so happy to be back in Leeds. I didn't feel that at all. I just felt as though I'd made a decision and I'd run with it and I was settled. That's fine. But I didn't feel as though I was as happy as I should be. But it wasn't until my friend was like, why Why are you expecting to be so happy about this? You've made a massive life decision. Moving, even though you've done it lots of times before, it's not as easy as just, you know, up, uprooting yourself and going somewhere else it's it's an emotional upheaval at the best of times um and it does take some getting used to so there was that balancing act like I say between oh am I really unhappy at my job or am I really unhappy with leads and I wasn't sure and I couldn't really talk to anyone about it because I wanted I don't know I didn't want people to think that I'd made the wrong decision and I definitely hadn't made the wrong decision I was just in the wrong job I completely I can empathize with what you're saying there and I think there is also a real pressure when you make a move like that especially as you get a bit older and you start to think of it as being a bit more long term I think there is Mm -hmm. a big difference between you moving to Melbourne and me when I sort of moved to Bali it was never going to be for that long it was always kind of it always had like a limited time on it I think and I think there's a big difference between that and then when you move somewhere sort of with the intention of setting up a home the stakes feel a lot higher. And I think that's sometimes what affects me a bit, having just moved to Foom, is that I really want this to be my home long-term, like maybe not forever, but for the foreseeable future. And that means I approach things in a slightly different way than I would if I was just kind of here for six months or nine months or something. Yeah, I think also it's the fact that when you move to another city in another country, um, at the back of your mind, there's always visa issues and you kind of know, you know, it's probably not going to be forever. And everyone else knows it's probably not going to be forever as well. But when you move somewhere in your home country, it does, the stakes feel so much higher because there's no visa issues. There's no, um, there's no kind of cutoff date it's it's probably going to be forever. So you need to make it work. I feel like there's a lot more pressure to and you know, on yourself and also from other people to make it this amazing life-changing decision and everything's going to be amazing but often that's not the case at all I think also in terms of making friends as well is that yeah. it's much harder making friends in somewhere like Lees and Froome where people are quite settled I think when you're in those kind of like chanting communities where you know if you're you begin by living in a hostel everyone's kind of in the same boat so everyone's really keen to make friends and that's very different to when you move to a city or town in the UK I think in your home country definitely kind of already got their friends definitely and I also think there's a massive massive distinction between moving somewhere like Froome or Leeds or you know other cities around the UK and living in London because in London you're working with very very similar people and you're probably living with similar people as well you know not everyone is settled down it takes a lot longer in London to settle down because nobody can afford to really you know if you want to do that you have to move out of London so you're living with people who are in their late 20s early 30s who are still living in house shares um people are you know the people that you work with are quite young and everyone it feels a little bit more like young and vibrant and people want to go out and do things whereas when I came up here no offense to anyone living in Leeds but I was a little bit shocked I was like oh 
everyone is already married at 23 and nobody wants to go and do anything. And I do have some great friends up here now and not everyone is married and not everyone, you know, wants to settle down and go home and be in bed by 9 p.m. Um, now, you know, two years down the line, I do have a great group of people around me. But when I first moved here, I was like, oh, shit. I am the only person in Leeds over 30 who isn't married. <laughs> I I feel that sometimes a little here. It's not, I have realised it's not quite the whole picture, but yeah. Foom is definitely one of those places where people move to when they are in a relationship, maybe just married or thinking about getting married and kids are not too far in the future. They've kind of, it's, you kind of move out of London as a couple and move somewhere like Foom. And I moved out of London single, or I, you know, with a three-year gap in the middle of you know yeah. traveling and doing different things and came here and it is it is very different there's definitely it, people are definitely a lot more settled here than they are in London and I think that's you know I mean I don't know 75% of my friends in London are single I think um you know whereas here I imagine that you know I'm just starting to make friends but pretty much most people I've met are in relationships so far and that is and that is a big difference. I mean, I think we talk about quite a lot about the the like the triumvirate of it's, I don't even know if that's the right word of loneliness. That the three things of working for yourself, living alone, and being single yeah. has been quite hard when it's all three of those together. And I think it's something that both of us really feel sometimes. Yeah, and you know, I don't think people think about this enough. Um, I think it can be very easy um, as a freelancer if you are. Um, you know, married or living with someone, not to realize the kind of safety net you have. Uh, and I was actually saying to one of my friends yesterday how if I did live with someone and I did have a partner, there's absolutely no way that I'd want them to pay, you know, my half of the rent every month because I can support myself. That's not a problem. But it's things like when, you know, your MacBook blows up on a Friday afternoon and you can't get a replacement and you've got client work to do or, you know, an invoice doesn't get paid on time and you're really struggling that month with um, maybe not the rent, but your bills or possibly doing a food shop. And it's like, people don't think about these things. Like I am probably one or two months away from losing everything. <laughs> Whereas other people, I think, you know, if they're married or partnered up and living together, sometimes I think people don't understand the safety net that they, they've already got. Just having that safety net, even just mentally, not, not financially, even just to have someone to come home and be like, you'll never guess what happened today. My MacBook blow, blew up. They're not giving me a replacement. I've got to go in at 8 p.m. 8 a.m. tomorrow to go and get um, it repaired. Like it's just having that support network around you um, that I think is, is hard to not have sometimes. Having said that, since I went freelance in January 2017, I have met, say met, I have, I, I guess, got a lot of, awesome freelance women around me either in Leeds up in Leeds or you know around the country in London online that kind of thing and so that kind of support network is really nice to be able to you know speak to you or my friend Sam or Lucy or whatever on the phone and just be like things are shit I don't know what to do <laughs> but also just having someone be like oh mate I totally understand yeah. like and knowing that it's not just you who's dealing with all these things and it's something I've really kind of since coming back to the UK, I've really been consciously trying to create for myself, I think, like really yeah. thinking about being like, right, how can I meet more people who are in a similar situation to me, who are going to understand what I'm going through? Because it's not to say that my other friends don't, but I think sometimes, like you said, they sometimes underestimate some parts of what I'm doing and how hard it can be. Um, 
And I think sometimes there is this myth of, and I think you mentioned this in the blog post that you wrote about um, loneliness and diversifying your income, which was just, yeah. incredible. I mean, it's one of my favorite blog posts anyone's ever written. Oh, thank um, you. It was amazing. Um, but this kind of myth of the freelancer or like creative entrepreneur, you quit your day job and you have a few months where things are a bit difficult, but then you start to get clients and, um, and suddenly it all just starts to get a lot easier and the money goes in and you're, and how much money you're making every month increases. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's this myth that I think is really... I like, wish that was the case. I wish, I wish every single month the money just went up and up and up. That would I be know. incredible. I mean, that, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? I mean, I would love that if anyone wants to, like, you know. But the thing is, is that that's kind of what's, like... It's, it's a lot of people kind of like perpetuate it online, I think, because they're selling their own way to help other people do the same thing. That it's this kind of idea that this is a kind of story that we should be following, I think. Yeah, and absolutely. When you feel like you're not following it, you feel a bit crap. Like, and it can make it harder to kind of, I don't know, to communicate, I guess, with people. Yeah, so the normal thing you would do in your career is you would start really small and you'd start in an entry-level position and you'd kind of work your way up. You'd get a bit more money every time you change jobs and you get promoted, that kind of thing. And I think people think that that's how freelancing is going to be and it's it's definitely not. I mean, you would hope that it would be an up-and-to-the-right type thing, but in reality, and I think a lot of self-employed people will relate to this, it's much more of a feast-famine cycle um, than perhaps... Um, people that don't freelance um, would realize there are months when you're like oh my god I've got so much money and there are months when you're like oh shit beans on toast for the next few weeks then you know it definitely is um, it's about managing your finances obviously but um, it's definitely not um, as secure as uh, in inverted commas a regular job Um, and I think that can be a bit of a shock to the system like when I went freelance the reason I went freelance is basically that I lost my job at that agency and uh, on the one hand, I was like, oh, that's, it's not that great that I've lost my job. But on the other hand, I was a little bit pleased because I was, I'd been so unhappy. And I think it was probably the push that I needed to just go and do something different. So um, I did go and apply for a few jobs, um, just so I wasn't completely shooting myself in the foot. Um, but every time I went to an interview, I was like, mm, this isn't for me. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to go freelance and so I just went freelance just just no planning just just went (laughs) I think that's good and I think it's true that sometimes you do need um a push yeah Um, sometimes it's not always easy to jump like I think sometimes it is just it just feels like too much of a um too much of a leap but the um but the thing about the money going up and down as well and that's when you have rent and this is for me I think the biggest shock coming back to the UK is that when I was living in Bali when I was traveling and then I spent a year living in Italy where I had my board and lodgings paid for in exchange for uh volunteering so my I mean I literally think I only had Netflix and Apple Music as the only two standing orders coming out of my account every single month and that was true for pretty much the whole time I was traveling so to then come back to UK and suddenly have all these standing orders all this money that is going to come out of my account every single month whether I like it or not was a real shock it's to the terrifying. system. It's terrifying. It's actually terrifying, definitely. And I've gone from London where like, I used to just pay a certain amount of money to um, my housemates and everything was just kind of sorted out. I've gone from that to being, you know, 
the one that has to open the bills and the one that has to um, set up standing orders and everything. It is terrifying being an adult. (laughs) It really is. But you found a way to kind of make it work. You started working Um, in a coffee shop a couple of days a week. Yeah, exactly. So last year, I mean, I I had a pretty good run last year of of freelancing to be be fair. Um, I basically made in the 12 months from... January 2017 I basically made pretty much the same amount of money um it was basically equal to the salary that I had in my, in my previous job and for me for the first year of freelancing that was that was quite a big achievement I was pretty pleased with that that's however amazing. yeah I mean financially that that's totally fine it would have been nice to have a bit more but you know first year of freelancing totally fine but one thing I I found was that for the first couple of months of freelancing I was doing quite a lot of work um the agency that I used to work at in London had hired me um, remotely to work for them for a couple of months. And that was great. It was exactly what I needed when I first went freelance. And then I had some other other clients come and go. And then um, I went away to Berlin in July and I went on a press trip to France in, in June and did quite a bit of traveling. And when I got back, um, I just, I, I used to and you'll know this from the blog post, but I used to love getting to my desk and just getting shit done, just doing the work. Um, and I think part of it was loneliness, part of it was um, mental health problems, but I just kind of hit this wall where I, I just didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. And obviously as a freelancer, if you don't get out of bed and do the work, then you don't get paid. And, and you you find yourself in this cycle of knowing that you need to do the work in order to get paid, but not being able to really do it because you can't get out of bed in the morning. And it was just a horrible, just a horrible couple of months where I just wasn't making much money and just, fought, just spiraling basically. It was awful. Um, so what I decided to do to support myself, not just financially speaking, but also men- mentally as well. You know, you don't speak to a lot of people when you work from home full time. It can be really isolating. I um, I sent my CV to a couple of cafes, to a couple of like local independent cafes, because I don't. I think a lot of us have already worked in you know hospitality a lot. We've either you know when we're at uni been a waitress or a you know a bartender or whatever and in Melbourne I used to be a barista that's what I was doing when I started my travel blog so um I yeah sent my CV around and I got an interview with um with a local independent cafe here and I basically started doing I started off doing um three or four days a week which which felt like a lot actually because I still had freelance work to do um and then I took that down to two days a week and that's what I do now so I do two days a week in a cafe where I go in I do my job I come home and I don't have to think about it anymore and it's actually the dream (laughs) that I can see how that can totally work um because I think the um the energy thing is really important though like the mental space when you're freelancing kind of protecting that and I think my fear with taking on um, a different job or doing something on the side would be that it would take away from that. So I think, you know, working in a coffee shop is just perfect for that. Um, and also I look back on my time waitressing and I think that that is probably one of the most fulfilling jobs I've ever had. It really, it really, it really, really is. I, I absolutely love it. 
I, I genuinely love it. And it, it gets me out of the flat because living alone, again, you don't see an awful lot of people. Um, <laughs> it gets me out of the flat. I get to be part of an awesome team. And I know that probably wouldn't be the case everywhere you work, but I get to be part of an awesome team. I, I love my team and I get to get to do something that doesn't require me to have my freelance hat on, which is it's a welcome change when you spend an awful lot of time at your laptop working um, either, you know, freelance, uh, freelancing for, for clients or, you know, running my travel blog as well. Um, it can feel, like I said, really isolating and yeah, it just kind of like saps your energy after a while. So it's nice to get out and kind of speak to people and just put your customer service hat on rather than your freelance hat on. And, um, like I say, I only do a couple of days a week. So financially speaking, it's not, <laughs> I'm not rolling in it having worked in a cafe, but it is nice to just be able to top, top, things up a little bit yeah I can completely see that working and did you have any and I'm not saying that this is how you should feel or this is how I would feel but was there any sort of did your ego struggle with it at all oh my god yeah is what I'm trying yeah, to say yeah massively okay. <laughs> I can see where you were going with that and I thought she doesn't want to offend me but I'm not offended at all <laughs> no it's it's, 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 it's the truth I think I would and actually I read your blog post and I remember thinking you know what, this is fantastic. And I think I thought, you know what, I would, my ego would struggle with this. And I thought it was so amazing that you wrote about it and you put it out there. Um, And it made me actually a lot, because I think I've always thought of that as being like my, like, like, like that as being my, like, having failed job. And don't, Mm. you know. No, 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 totally understand. Kind of like, that's when I know that stuff hasn't worked. But actually, and then hearing you talk about it, I realised actually, it would actually could actually be really amazing yeah so definitely with the ego thing I didn't tell anyone about the cafe job for a long time because I thought because it's that career thing it's that whole you know you start off small and you're meant to be you know you're meant to be successful and meant to be you know making lots of money on your own terms and being an empowered woman and being a hashtag girl boss whatever and that is not the reality (laughs) for a lot of people and it certainly wasn't the reality for me um I just, I think it comes to a point where you just have to do what you need to do. And I think a lot of the time on social media, it can be very, very easy to fall into the trap of thinking that um, what what people put out online is exactly what they're doing 100% of the time. For example, when I lived in Auckland, I was working in customer service, literally on the phone with a headset every single day. But if you looked at my Instagram, if you looked at my blog posts from back then, if you looked at my Twitter updates from back then, I wasn't talking about that job at all. I was talking about, um, you know, the adventures that I was going on and what I was writing about Wellington and Queenstown or whatever. You know, I wasn't focusing on what I was doing. And that's totally fine because it was just a customer service job. And, and it was I was literally just working there so I could afford to pay rent and go traveling. But I think a lot of the time what people put out there is not, not the reality of what they're actually doing and it's it's not that I'm talking about the cafe on social a lot which I'm because I'm not but it got to a point where I was like I need to be honest and just why aren't I being honest about this thing and it was an ego thing I I kind of felt that if I said oh I've taken two days out of my you know freelance life so to speak to go and work in a cafe I thought people would think well obviously she's not doing very well well obviously she's failed obviously she's not very good at what she does but actually, I don't think that at all because I am good at what I do and I'm really, really passionate what I, about what I do and I love writing and I love running the blog and I love doing you know, social media for my clients. But the cafe thing is a separate thing that I needed for 
my mind so I didn't go stir crazy in in my flat and the best thing to have come out of publishing that blog post and I'm so glad you like it because it did feel scary to kind of hit publish on it the best thing to come out of it is people messaging me and saying do you know what I've been struggling working for myself for so long and this is the kit that I've needed to go and get, you know, a little Saturday job somewhere or go and work in a cafe or, you know, go and stack some shelves in Tesco because there's no shame in that. And that's something that I also wrote about in the blog post as well, where there's this stigma attached to part-time jobs or hospitality roles or working in a shop or what have you that, you know, it's not office work, that people are just doing those jobs as a, you know, a stopgap because they can't find anything else or you know people who work in cafes are just waiting for their big break into office work to come along and that is not the case at all like it's a career for a lot of people and there's absolutely no shame in that and I I think it's such a a horrible classist way to look at things where you think oh these people they should be working in offices and, and having office work as like the main thing that people should be striving for and it's just not the case you should strive for what makes you happy um not not what's going to look good you know when someone asks you what you do what do you do I work in an office well great good for you are you happy no you know <laughs> I, I just sat here nodding <laughs> oh my god I just went on the biggest rant I'm so sorry <laughs> no, I, no I completely like I just completely agree with all of that like, I think there's this thing that like and you're completely right but somehow like office job is like above hospitality and it's and it's just such a load of nonsense and it's again it's this idea as well that certain jobs are better than others and that certain jobs require your brain a lot more and I always think of that I mean have you ever worked in a busy like restaurant or coffee shop or it's gonna be so much more challenging but it is also like it's what's fulfilling for you and I know so many people in those office jobs who are miserable Mm. and who literally only see you know the full sides of a cubicle or of an office every day or who don't find their work fulfilling at all um and I think you know, if you can find something that works for you, then I just think that's amazing. Like yeah, that's so great. Definitely. And I think also we're working in a in an environment now where you can do a few things and make it work. You don't have to work nine to five in an office. You know, you probably will earn a lot of money doing that. And that's totally fine if that's what makes you happy. But I'm definitely one of these people where I like to have my fingers in a few pies and I like to diversify my income a bit. I like the fact that I get a little bit of money from the cafe. I get most of my money from freelancing and I get a little bit of money from the blog and I get a little bit of money, a tiny, tiny bit of money from, you know, affiliate networks that I'm a part of um, for the blog. And I like the fact that I have those separate things because if one drops off, I can boost the other a little bit more. Um, and it just, I feel much more comfortable in, in that kind of environment than going to the same place every single day and sitting at the same desk every single day because it just makes me really unhappy, to be honest. And also having all your eggs in one basket isn't necessarily smart. So having a full-time job where you're employed by one company, which could, you know, have massive redundancies next week or could, you know, go could fold I mean that's not necessarily very smart and when you have money coming in from different way different um different income streams you're right that is a lot smarter yeah 100% and I just I just feel more comfortable with it I do and the great thing about freelancing is that I mean possibly not great because you end up working longer hours but if you need a bit more money you want to get a bit more work I'm not saying that the work is there for you to take all the time but you can you know ramp up your efforts a bit more or send out a few more pitches or um 
go and meet some more people to see if you could maybe help them with their social media or their writing or whatever. Um, there just seems, for me, it feels like there are more opportunities for me to go out and make something work rather than, you know, being stuck doing the same thing every single day. Yeah, which is completely how I felt when I was in my nine-to-five work in London. Yeah. It was just that feeling of just being completely stuck um, and not really in control of my own work either like not able to kind of think right this isn't working for me what can I do differently I was kind of stuck in this environment where things were done a certain way and I couldn't really break out of that um and I found that really really difficult yeah I think that's that's really frustrating for a lot of people and that you want to make changes but the only way to do that is to go through you know what feels like a million other people you just think what is the point you know we'll just just keep plodding along and and hoping for the best but actually I think having done that for a long time and I was very very happy in my job in London very happy but um I would say that I'm probably I wouldn't say happier I feel more myself sounds a weird thing to say but I feel more myself freelancing and doing you know a little bit of uh, a bit of everything I feel like um I just feel more more comfortable where I am I think that's so great. Um, so this, I mean, maybe you've just answered it. I don't know. So um, I just want to ask, what, so what for you has been the best thing about doing stuff a little bit differently for you? For me, I think I really, um, I love the flexibility of working for myself. I think that's one thing. And we've, we've touched on it just now in that, you know, being really frustrated that you're kind of doing the same thing every day. The flexibility is is something that I really love. I love that, you know, we're recording this on a, is it Thursday? It's Thursday. A Thursday, <laughs> Thursday lunchtime. Um, I, I felt very stifled when I worked full time. I felt as though I couldn't take advantage of um, opportunities that came my way because it involved asking someone else's permission. Um, you know, if a press trip came along for my travel blog, um, for the most part, I would say yes, but I'd need to take some sort of holiday. And that is the case now. You know, if I go on a press trip, that means time away from my freelance clients. However, I can always work when I'm away. I can do more work when, you know, before I go, when I get back, you know, there are options available. Um, I, I just, I really like the flexibility of it. I don't like being put in a box and kind of kept there. I like to, I like to do my own thing, really. I'm quite selfish, actually. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think it's selfish. I think it's self-full. Yes. I think that's, that's that, the new way I like that better, learned. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think doing that and putting yourself first and in doing what makes you happy like I think we kind of demonize that a bit too much in our culture and at the end of the day no one else is going to make you happy so you know you've got to do that yourself um and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all um and then so what has been the hardest thing for you the hardest thing oh I guess I mean the hard thing is is the financial stuff it's making sure that everything is covered um I mean, we've touched on this. That's why I got, partly why I got a little job in a cafe because I needed a little bit more financial stability, even though it doesn't cover, you know, much. Um, It definitely helps. Um, I think managing your finances is something that um, can be quite difficult. I do think it should be taught in schools. I do think there should be more chat to younger people about how to manage finances um, because I came out of school and just had no idea um, I'm 32. I still have no idea. And I think that is the, that's the biggest challenge for me is just making, making things work. Um, and being an adult about it. That's the bit that I find. Yeah. Most hard. 
Yeah, I can completely agree with that. And I completely agree that we need to be taught this stuff more in school. So you kind of learn as you go along. And I also think, though, that there is that we all need to kind of make mistakes as well and learn from those mistakes. Like I've made a lot of financial Me mistakes too. and I'm quite pleased I have made them because I think, you know what, I learned the lesson and I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. You know, like I've I've got overdrawn and then had those horrible fees that I've had to pay. And I'm now, you know, I now don't get overdrawn because I know how much it costs me when I do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that you do need to learn those lessons. Yeah, I agree. And um, I also think people just, it would be nice to have a bit more honesty as well. Like, like I said, I've got this awesome group of women around me now, including, you know, you and lots of other women who freelance and work online. And I just think we are, we're quite honest Um well I am honest about how much I charge for things how much I earn for things and it's perhaps not something that I would put you know on the internet on my blog this is how much I've earned in January type thing but I do have conversations with friends who approach me and say I've been asked to do this thing by this company for my blog um how much do you think I charge and I always say well this is what I charge do it from there you know I think as people that work online and as bloggers especially it's really it's such a nice community and it's nice when you find your, I hate, I hate this word, but tribe in inverted commas, um, <laughs> and just start being a bit more honest, um, about, about finance stuff, about money, because, um, it, it helps lift other women up. And I think what, what is better than that? Like helping your friends, um, you know, make what they're worth. I mean, that is a lovely way to end <laughs> this episode. Um, such a nice sentiment to end on. So for anyone who hasn't found you online yet, where can they do so? So I'm on Twitter as um, at PCK Your Passport and everywhere else, Instagram, Facebook, it's at Pack Your Passport. Um, my blog is pack-your-passport.com and all of my freelance stuff is at beverlyreinemann.com, which I'm not going to spell, but I'm sure Fiona will link to it somewhere. I will. I will link to it in the show notes. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for chatting, me to, uh, chatting to me today, Beverly. Thank you so much for having me, Fiona. Thank you. so so much for listening if you enjoyed this conversation then please do subscribe rate and review if you can it helps other people who might be in need of a little inspiration to live life a little differently to find this podcast you can also sign up to my newsletter letter and notes via my website www.fionabarrows.com where you can also find more information on the work that i do I send my newsletter out every Monday morning and it always includes a short piece from me on my own experiences in living life a little differently and in running a thoughtful and creative business. I also share what I've been reading, watching and listening to that week. Until next time.